Struggling to monitor the growing threat landscape? Pressure to reduce costs? Security skill gaps? Facing compliance issues? These issues can translate to operational, financial, regulatory, and reputational risks to your business. Checkpoint can help. Checkpoint combines an MSSP enablement program, cloud-delivered multi-tenant management, SOC platform, and superior threat intelligence capabilities to give MSSPs the confidence to grow profitably at a reduced risk. Checkpoint is 100% channel-driven. We partner to deliver the best security everywhere. Visit msspalert.com slash checkpoint. All right, welcome back to Cyber for Hire, the managed security podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley Barth with SC Media. In the first half of our show, we talked with Alex Holden at Hold Security about dark web threat intelligence. Right now, I'd like to welcome back my co-host for the day, Bill Brenner, because it's time for us to examine our MSSP industry strategy topic of the week, presenting our big idea in business equal time, ensuring each MSSP client gets their fair share of attention. Every MSSP customer is different in its own way, but they all deserve to remain secure from attacks. And so it's important that managed services providers don't play favorites to the point where certain clients eat up a disproportionate amount of time and resources. MSSPs must ensure that they are fairly and proportionally allocating their account reps, technicians, support specialists, consultants, security analysts, pen testers, and a host of other employees across their entire customer base. This segment will examine recommendations on how to better accomplish this objective. Uh, now, Bill, there could be a couple of reasons why certain clients take up more resources and attention than others. It could be that they're a troubled organization that needs extra help. It could be that they're a deep-pocketed organization that an MSSP wants to show extra love and attention to. Either way, explain to our listeners, our viewers, why in the long term this can be problematic. Well, I mean, you certainly want to prioritize your biggest customers. I don't, I don't think there's anything befuddling about that, you know, a, those customers who have the most at stake where, um, you know, if you fail them as an MSSP and you lose them as a result, it can be a financial body blow. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you have to make sure you're getting them what they need. Um, it's true in the end that you get what you pay for, right? Um, I mean, we see it every day even outside security that, 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 um, how big you are as a customer, how much you've bought, um, is really going to factor in to what comes back to you. Um, that said, and this is hard, you know, if you're an MSSP, a lot of your clients are these smaller folks who, um, have come to you because they have no internal resources. And so I feel like you need to have, if you're an MSSP, you need to have very well-defined um, rules of engagement in place and specific team members dedicated to here are the folks who deal with the bigger customers. 
with the bigger infrastructures. Here are the folks who deal, who at the same time keep things running and secure for the smaller folks. So, um, you know, the smaller clients have a lot at stake. MSSPs have the basic responsibility to provide protection. And, um, you know, you really, if you're an MSSP, have to be prepared to give everybody the right amount of time based on what they are asking of you and what they're paying for from you. Now, Bill, that absolutely makes sense what you're saying. You have to find a way to properly allocate uh, your resources amongst multiple clients uh, because not that it necessarily has to be 100% equal, but like I said, it does have to be at least proportional so that if you have a client that maybe has been expecting, for example, like an on-site visit, uh, there isn't a scenario where they just can't get anything on the calendar because you, because uh, all of your 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 best people, your best staff as an MSSP is constantly uh, off dealing with other clients that are uh, higher up on the totem pole. And so if you're going to be one of these uh, companies that are not getting proper attention, they ultimately may seek out a, a different solution, somebody, a service provider, who's going to show them a little more uh, time and respect. So it is a little bit of a, a balancing act. So with that said, Bill, let's establish where some of the biggest inequities are that can crop up among clients. You know, it's probably not going to happen quite as much with things like the processing of SOC data and alerts, but in terms of actual FaceTime, site visits, like I mentioned, consultations, check-ins, troubleshooting, that might be some of the things where certain client organizations end up taking up more time than others. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, you know, I, again, I think it's about you have your list of, you have your entire client base. You need a system to prioritize them. Um, you know, there has to be very specific rules of engagement in place for, you know, who gets site visits, um, who gets X amount of phone calls, you know? Um, so to me, there's not a whole lot to add than that. It's, it's really, if you're an MSSP, your responsibility is to meet the needs of all of your clients. And sure, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's true that if you have a big client with a lot of needs, you have to spend that time with them, but you need to find ways to keep making sure everybody else is getting what they need. And if you can't do that, then I think, um, you know, my suggestion would be to look at your entire um, strategy for how you service customers of different sizes um, and what the incident response programming is and you know, maybe you need to redeploy people. Maybe you need to make some hires. Uh, that's not something MSSPs always want to hear. Um, but it's, I mean, it's just the simple, you know, as John Adams once said, facts are stubborn things. <laughs> no, very true. And uh, no, I mean, that that's what it, it may come down to that. It may come down to 
even as a, a, an MSSP, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to, you know, you always talk about the, the clients uh, struggling uh, with the number of resources that they have. You as the MSSP may need to potentially bolster your resources um, if, if you're maybe taking on, you know, more than you can chew. That That is a a decision at some point or, or a reality that you may have to face that there might be a reason if uh, some of your uh, clients are, are lower priority and they feel like you're not giving them the time at all, maybe that is an indicator of the fact that uh, you are a little bit overburdened and you know maybe that's a sign that you know you don't have the capacity at this point to take on additional clients also. And I think that's, you know, an important point to keep in mind that, you know, mm -hmm. there's always this desire to grow and of course, take in more clients and take in more revenue. But if you're already struggling, then, you know, it might be good to uh, just take a step back and recognize you're already struggling with the current number of clients uh, that you have now. So it's certainly yeah. a challenge. It, like we said, it's a, it's a balancing act. Uh, but hopefully just from this uh, discussion that we had on it today, uh, this will certainly uh, inspire some of our audience with some ideas about how to uh, manage some of these uh, trickier aspects of uh, the MSSP client relationship. So that's going to do it for our big idea in business, Bill. But uh, next up is a segment that we like to call Dear Cyber for Hire. And this is an advice column segment where we get to play marriage counselor between MSSPs and their clients to help mend fences when their relationship goes awry. Uh, the following letter has been dramatized and anonymized to protect the innocent, but the conflict represented here has a very real problem that companies face. So, Bill, it's time to immerse ourselves in some juicy MSSP melodrama, and this complaint comes from the client side of the relationship. So, fellas, cue the music. Dear Cyber for Hire, I'm all for a little healthy competition in a relationship, but lately my partner seems to be, well, a really bad sport. Antagonistic, even. They need to win at everything, and I need to lose. And I am. I'm losing my mind, my patience, and maybe even my reasons for being in this partnership. You see, my company entered into a contracted relationship with an offensive security firm specializing in red teaming. Their job is to find the gaps in our defenses laid out by my security team, and they're doing a good job. Too good. My internal security team has become frustrated, dispirited, and embarrassed. They claim the red team is going out of scope and that they're not communicating their findings in a way that's helping the defense truly get better. Are we just being bad sports here? Uh, and is it possible to get an external red team and an internal blue team to put their heads together and purple team? Sincerely, Disgustedly displeased with degrading defensive defeats in Dayton. So, Bill, you know, other than bringing your red team in-house as well, so that your blue team and your red team are internal, which may not be may not be possible for everyone. You know, that's why we have these managed services in the first place. Uh, what can the client do to improve uh, this red team blue team uh, clash of egos right now? Yeah, I think. Um and on the one hand, this is a good topic because it is a problem, this clash between red team and blue team. 
But at the same time, you know, the clash is by design. The problem is when there's the clash, what you do with that. And that's, you know, I think the part that needs working on. To me, what matters is bringing all the stakeholders into the security process and making them own pieces of, um, you know, what, what all of these teams are doing. So, you know, HR has a stake, legal has a stake, finance has a stake. This is why I'm a big fan, by the way, of purple teaming, because, you know, with purple teaming, you have both teams collaborating instead of this, you know, there's the competition, sure, but there it goes beyond that and how you work together to fix the issues that come up. Um, so purple teaming, you have both teams collaborating closely, sharing information and insights. The blue team learns from the red team's attack techniques uses that knowledge to improve their defense strategies and incident response capabilities. And then, you know, conversely, the red team benefits from understanding the defensive measures and the organization's strengths, which, you know, they can use to refine their attack methods. So it's really, <laughs> I, I think the heart of the problem is it, it can't just be blue team fighting red team. It has to be about what you do with the results of that work. Yeah, absolutely. It always sounds like from, you know, various experts that I've talked to on this particular topic related to offensive security, the best red team, blue team exercises are ones that ultimately are collaborative in nature, where both sides can ultimately learn from each other if it's just a game of gotcha then uh, it ultimately sometimes just results in you know, some some hard feelings. And there may be some lessons learned, but uh, you're not really getting the true uh, collaboration that can you know benefit your organization if the red and the blue were truly becoming this uh, united uh, purple front. So that's what uh, you're, you're hopefully uh, should be trying to shoot for uh, as an organization, uh, even if uh, the red team might be coming from an external source. So uh, great advice there, Bill. Uh, another relationship saved. Uh, hopefully our listeners have learned from this and don't make the same mistake. And remember, if you've been struggling with your managed security services relationship, whether you're the user or the provider, we want to hear from you. So please write to us at cyberforhire at cyberriskalliance.com and we might use your letter in a future episode. All right, well, it's almost time to wrap things up, but before we go, it's time for us to get a little random as we share with you, drumroll please, our irrelevant news of the week. Now, this is a real news pitch that I've received in my inbox for reasons that are entirely inexplicable to me. Uh, so are you ready to get random, Bill? I suppose so. Okay, uh, well then uh, let's do it. For upcoming stories, please consider RK Beverages shaking up the liquor market and revolutionizing the way we drink by inventing the first alcohol-free formula that smells and tastes like liquor, but without the hangover. 
After seeing his son come home drunk one night, creator Renald Vito Gradagliano spent the next three years researching the concoction. After discovering the molecule that carries the alcohol profile without the actual spirit, his team of scientists in a Swiss lab created an entirely new molecule with 0% alcohol that sends stimuli to the brain where the mucous membranes of smell and taste saturate and make the consumer believe that he or she is drinking alcohol. Bill, I think they're still missing the point as to why most people, including the creator's son probably, was drinking the booze in the first place. You know, I honestly don't know what to say about this. Um, <laughs> I mean, people I, are drinking. When I, when I mean, I, when, I, when I look at all the problems in the world that we have to solve, when I look at all the problems in the security world that need to be dealt with, and I see something like this, I'm just like, you know, how did we get to this place? <laughs> well, I think there are probably some people after a hard day at the uh, cybersecurity office uh, need a good drink, and they're not probably not looking for something that, that tastes like alcohol, but doesn't actually have any of the effects of alcohol. Yeah. That's, people need to unwind. Yeah. And, um, but that said, <laughs> as the commercials always say, drink responsibly. Absolutely. Well, that is for sure. I mean, it's certainly, you know, maybe this is a good, you know, you've had like one or two real drinks and then, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, you just kind of want to uh, still stay in the spirit of that, but without actually, you know, uh, feeling the uh, the physical effects anymore. I don't know. Then like, you know, maybe you switch over to, uh, to, to this other, uh, beverage instead. But from like, from my perspective as somebody who really particularly doesn't enjoy most alcohols and most of the time I'm at a function, I'm the, the guy like that's ordering the, the Coke. I, I, I don't personally see the, uh, the immense pleasure in drinking something that, that tastes like some kind of a, you know, fiery acidic alcohol. If it's not going to actually, you know, make you feel good in any way. So I don't, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but um, you know, there's, there's probably a market out there for it. Who knows? Uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's, uh, I, that, that's our, that's our randomness for the week, Bill. You never quite know, right? What's gonna, what's gonna pop up in your inbox. And, uh, this was, uh, certainly a curious one. So, uh, Rolling with nice. that though, uh, we're going to end it there because we're, we're out of time, but, uh, fret not because we will be back again next week, uh, with episode number 29. So, uh, one last thank you to you, uh, Bill Brenner for, uh, filling in again as a guest co-host, uh, much appreciated as always. Meanwhile, I feel... Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, feel free to check out even more cybersecurity podcast content on the SC Media, MSSP Alert, and Channel E2E websites. Until next time, I'm Bradley Barth. Please reach out to us via our show page with your comments, questions, and insights about the business of cybersecurity. We'll keep the conversation going on the next episode of Cyber for Hire, your insight source for cyber outsourcing.